Smashing the Plateau. I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. I think if employees were smart, they would give room for their employees to be humans first. Happy people make happy employees. Today on episode 114 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with engineering life coach Gina Covarrubias. Gina left her engineering job to launch Deliberate Doing, an exclusive STEM coaching service dedicated to teaching engineers and other technical professionals how to defeat career despair. If you've had a career objective in mind for a very long time, only to be disappointed when you achieved your objective, you want to hear Gina's story. Stay with us to hear all the details. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. And we've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Now let's welcome Gina Kovarubias. Gina is the founder of Deliberate Doing, an exclusive STEM coaching service dedicated to teaching engineers and other technical professionals how to defeat career despair. Her distinctive background blends life coaching expertise with over 12 years of engineering and technology experience in the government, academic, and corporate environments, all within the aerospace sector. As an engineering life coach, Gina's mission is simple, to help STEM professionals be happy. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm so excited to be here today. It's my pleasure. So your own career journey is working as an engineer and then leaving engineering per se, but becoming a coach to engineers, right? You got it, David. So what caused that transition? (laughs) That was an unplanned move on my part. Let's put it that way. Unlike many of your guests, they seem to have left their profession because they were forced out or rift out or COVID took its toll and they were kind of forced to find something different and new. I'm a little different in that regard because I chose to leave my previous profession. So I was an engineer, as you mentioned in my introduction, for a a number of years. And I worked, I had great experiences because I had the opportunity to try very, very technical jobs all the way to very administrative type of jobs and then everything in between. So I guess you could say, you know, I had great experience, but I never felt satisfied. I was never truly happy. And for me, I thought it was a matter of finding my dream job. If I just keep looking, if I just keep trying new things, eventually I'll find it. And that was my belief at the time. And after so many years of feeling like I'm not fitting in and I'm, I'm kind of hitting a plateau here and I don't know what to do next, 
I decided after thinking about my past that, you know what, I am going to walk away and start over. My dream was to be an aerospace engineer as a kid. And I made that dream come true. When I got there, I found it very profound that I I wasn't happy. So I decided I'm going to make my next dream come true. And I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that looks like. But I'm going to walk away and figure myself out. That's pretty courageous. It was very courageous. I had many people give me the look. The look as in, Gina, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You've got it made where you are. Good job. Good salary. Why would you leave without having another job lined up? Without having a plan? Without having a plan. And let me add, David, I was not married. I did not have a spouse to rely on. It was me paying all the bills and supporting, I don't know, four or five animals at the time. And I didn't see it as being courageous, David. I had this belief in myself and I knew I was going to be okay. I knew I was smart enough to figure something out, even though I didn't know what that looked like. So to me, it wasn't a matter of being courageous. It was a matter of believing that I could figure something out. Well, engineers are also taught that they can figure things out. And as somebody... Myself, who was trained as an engineer and worked for a while as an engineer, I know that it takes a lot of fortitude along with some some intellectual capability to make it as an engineer. It's not a simple path. It's definitely not. And I appreciate your bringing that up because I have met many engineers along this, this journey that I've created for myself. I've met a lot of engineers who left just like I did, uh, just like you did who have gone on to do very different things, making very profound impacts in the world and kind of digging inside and discovering all of these capabilities that we didn't know we had. So how did you figure out what would come next? Great question, David. I, I left my last job when I walked away from my profession and I told myself, okay, my What I'm going to do is I'm going to study for the PMP and take that exam. The PMP, for those who don't know, is the um, project management professional. And it's an, an exam where if you pass it, you get certified as a professional project manager. And I thought, okay, I took the test two years ago at that time and I failed it. It was really tough. So I thought, I'm just going to study for it. I'm going to take that exam. I'm going to work as a project manager until I figure myself out. So June comes around. The whole month of June, I study for this exam. And the 4th of July comes and goes. And I had a moment in my kitchen, David. I've had a few (laughs) moments during my career, and this was one of them. So I'm reading through this workbook, and I took a different approach to studying because I knew what the exam looked like. I had been there before. And here I had spent the last eight weeks studying my rear end off. And I'm standing at my kitchen island and I'm looking through this book and I looked up and I said, I hate this. And I repeated it again. I hate this. I hate this. I effing hate this. What am I doing? Wasting my time studying for an exam to give me a certification that I really don't want. 
So it was a hard moment for me, David, because I had to come to terms with this idea that I had just wasted eight weeks of my free time studying for an exam that I didn't even want. And it reminded me of the time that I actually graduated with my master's degree in mechanical engineering. By the time I got to the end and got that degree, I was so disappointed and depressed because I had already made up my mind at that point, I don't want to be an engineer anymore. What am I going to do with this? So I found myself in a similar position and I thought, you know what? I didn't actually waste the last eight weeks. I needed to go through that in order to determine this is not for me. Like this is not my life. I don't want to be just a cog again. And from there, David, I dove into books and podcasts and TED Talks, and I just started arming myself with knowledge because I didn't know what was out there. After working in the corporate world, I know that I felt like I had been in a bubble and I felt like I was missing out on things in the world, on knowledge, on education. And I went on Amazon and I ordered a couple books. And one of my favorite books that I ended up ordering at that time that really helped me out is called Entrepreneurial You by Dory Clark. And I read that and I thought, man, this, there are so many things I could do with my life, with myself that I had never been exposed to. So it took me on a journey through all of these online courses and my reading and podcasts. It took me on a journey and I actually stumbled upon life coaching. I wasn't even looking for it. And I found a podcast and I gave it a try, even though I thought it sounded really hokey. So by this time, it was August and I had left my job that year in May. And I stumbled upon this life coaching podcast and a light bulb just went off instantly. And I had another moment and I thought, oh my gosh, that should be me. I should be doing that podcast. What is life coaching? So I looked into it, looked into different schools and signed up immediately and got certified. And then I created my business from there. And I'll tell you, it was not easy. It was not an easy journey. No, it usually is not. And by the way, Entrepreneurial You is a great book. Dory Clark has yes, been on, on my shows several times and uh, she's the real deal. Yes, she is. I'm a huge fan of Dory Clark. Absolutely recommend her for, for anybody out there. Yeah, same, same here. Whether you're an entrepreneur or not. Yep. So how long did it take you, Gina, from the time you quit your job until you felt like you had a solid business as a life coach? Months-wise, I would say it took me probably about uh, 16 months or so. I walked away from my career in May of 2018, took the next year to figure myself out, go through my certification, create a business, which... I had no idea how to do that. I had to get a lot of uh, business coaching and I leaned on a lot of resources thanks to my life coaching certification. And honestly, David, I couldn't have done it without my life coaching certification. It taught me the meaning of self-confidence, how to conquer fears, how we hold ourselves back. And I had never learned anything like that in college. So I would say it took about 16 months before I had a website up. I was creating content. I was out there networking and networking. And 
here I am now. It's almost two years later. Um, what an amazing journey. And it's still going to be a journey. And I'm still learning. And I'm still a beginner in some ways. Because college taught me how to be an employee, David. College did not teach me how to be autonomous or independent. Yeah, and I don't think it does for anyone. And unfortunately, we don't really know that going into it, right? So when I went through the whole college process and even going through my jobs that I had in the professional world, I thought as long as I checked all the boxes, I was going to be happy and life was going to work out great. And that was not the case. That was very far from the truth. Gina, how did you figure out your niche and who you would serve as a life coach? When I was in my life coaching certification course and I was thinking about creating a coaching business for myself, I thought back to my past. And thanks to my certification program, I learned a lot about why I suffered in my professional career. And what it taught me is that there were a lot of things that I had more control over than I realized. So as I thought back to people I worked with, to circumstances, to events, to be honest, one of the reasons I left is because I saw and worked with so many people, David, who would come to work and just go through the motions and just wait until retirement and work simply because they wanted to put their kids through school. It's as if they were just living by default. And I saw that over and over. And I told myself, I'm not going to do that. That is not going to be me. So I used that observation and I told myself, you know what? I have a really great solution here for the engineer, for the STEM professional who wants more out of their career. They just don't know what that looks like. They don't know how to get it. And I thought, that's it. That, that's what I'm going to do. I'm creating a business for that person because there's so many people out there who need my help. And that's how it happened. Are those people similar to your own circumstances? Yes, absolutely. I have been there, done that for many of my clients. And at this point, I know exactly what it takes to get them out of that rut or to get them out of that limited thinking. So when STEM clients are trying to get out of that rut or get out of that thinking, is the path primarily to leave the STEM professions or can they find some ways within the STEM professions to gain greater happiness? Excellent question, David. Some people come to me with their minds already made up. I want to leave engineering or I want to leave this industry, but I don't know what I want to do next. They think the grass is greener on the other side. Some people come to me and say, I don't know if I want to remain in engineering. I don't know if it's the best fit for me. And the reason people come to me with these issues is because the way the world actually works is not the way they expect the world to work. So they think that because they're encountering issues or problems at their job, they think if they just leave the job or leave the industry, that'll solve the problem. So my job is to help them understand 
if you leave this current situation, you take the same brain with you. You take the same way of thinking with you. Therefore, you're not running away. You're not solving the problem. What is common about the problems that your clients face? Okay, that's a two-part answer. The first part of that answer is that it's very common for people to project onto external circumstances. And what I mean by that is anytime, most times, I would say, when we blame, let's say, our colleagues or our management, or we blame COVID because things aren't going our way, what we're doing is we're projecting something that's going on inside of us to the external world. And then we blame that person or we blame that circumstance. So that's the first part of the answer. The second part of the answer is that the other commonality is that it always comes back to the person. It always comes back to their own self-worth. What are you thinking about yourself? What do you believe about yourself? Now, they don't know that when they come to me and start working with me. They just want me to help them solve this problem out there that's lingering that they don't know how to deal with. So what they have to learn is first you have to solve your internal problems and then you can go out there and make the external world as great as you want it to be. If that makes sense. Right. Which means that it may not necessarily be the STEM profession or the STEM organization that employs me. You got it, David. Exactly. How do people typically find you? I do a lot of speaking. So they might find me because their organization at work hired me to come and speak as a professional development speaker. Sometimes they'll find me organically on my website. Many people find me on LinkedIn. And so I would invite any of your audience members who are listening now to connect with me on LinkedIn. I always love meeting new people and also referrals. I have a lot of people that know me that think that what I do is so unique and special and they understand that it's needed. And so they kind of go out and promote me as well. It's been a long time since I was practicing as, as an engineer. It could be that the whole world of work has changed a lot over time, but I don't recall people in STEM professions being particularly introspective. Well, they're not particularly introspective, David. That, that is exactly right. And people in the STEM world, as you probably remember, they really like certainty and they're very risk averse. Yes. And focused on data and metrics. Yes. And they really want control over stuff in their life. And when they find they're in a position where they don't have control or where things are uncertain, it could really rock their world. And some of them just don't know how to deal with that. And I'll take it one step further. I do believe that the STEM environment, and this was probably more so true back in the day when you were an engineer, but I do think the STEM environment, whether it's the school or the employer, In general, I'm making a generalization here. They don't exactly promote human expression. They don't really say to their employees, we care about your your feelings and your thoughts here. Let's all kind of have a talk about things that are going on with you. It's more like you come to work, you do your job, you do the best you can, and 
that's it. It's almost as if there's no room to be a human, which I find very sad and dysfunctional. Right. Do you think that, I know in the corporate world, there's been much greater recognition for at least some kind of recognition that that employees have lives outside of work that need to be fulfilled. Corporate language might describe it as work-life balance. I personally like to see greater integration. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the way it's it, it may be discussed from the corporate perspective. But do you think that that the recognition that employees have personal lives and families and and other other interests that need to be addressed in order for them to function well as employees. Do you think that has helped at all with providing some room for self-reflection? I think the best way to answer that is on a case-by-case basis. If an employer is smart, they will realize that a happy employee which means work-life balance, which means they get to be human, even if that means taking a Zoom call in the evening instead of during the day or having their child on their lap. I think if employees were smart, they would give room for their employees to be humans first. And I also do believe that happy people make happy employees. And, you know, as terrible as COVID was, it has really brought out this discussion around work-life balance, as you know. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that, that is not going back in the box. It is not because, as you know, some companies are perfectly fine allowing their employees to work from home and others are saying, uh-uh, we want your butt back in the office. And it's fascinating to hear the resistance employees are having against that mandate. And it's fascinating to me to also hear some companies having these mandates. There are also companies who are claiming, well, we're going to do a hybrid plan. We'll let you work from home two days a week. As long as you come in three days a week, that's fine. Oh, but by the way, you have to come in on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So there are both extremes and everything in between going on. It's a very fascinating discussion. At the end of the day, I think the employers that allow their employees to be human and give them space to be flexible will be better off. I couldn't agree more. On that note, Gina, we have covered a lot of territory from your own personal experience to what you do and how you you help your clients and what kinds of challenges people in particular in the STEM professions face. If someone wants to learn more, access any resources you have, or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? Yes, excellent. My website is deliberatedoing.com. And David, I have many free resources on my website. I love giving away free content. I have many videos on there. I have recordings of old webinars. I have a career blog on there. There's a chance for people to sign up for a monthly newsletter uh, if they want mental wellness resources every month. And I also am promoting right now a course that I'll be teaching live in September. And that information also can be found on my events page on my website. And the whole reason I created this course, it's called Overcoming Career Constraints, What College Doesn't Teach You. And the whole purpose of the course, David, is to help the person 
understand that they need to build a foundation within themselves first, and then they can go out and create that great job. Many people want to do it the other way around. They think if they check the boxes that the dream job is just out there to be found, and that's not the way the world works. So I teach all kinds of life skills that college doesn't, David. Self-confidence, imposter syndrome, career purpose, career path, and all those sorts of things that help you become a more confident person, whether you're at work or at home, or you're in a relationship that you want to improve. So I'm running a promotion right now, and the course starts September 15th. It'll be a weekly lecture. And for anybody who's listening to this podcast, if they're interested, they could send me a note at gina at deliberatedoing.com. And I'd be happy to give them half off the price for the course that starts in September. Great. In the event that this episode goes live after you've delivered the course, is there some other way that they can get access to it? Absolutely. So if they send me a note, they could either purchase a recording of the class that I taught in the spring, which is the same class. I'll just be reteaching it. Or if they want to join in September or October, they can still mention the podcast episode and and just let me know, I heard you on David's podcast and I'd love to sign up for your class for half off and no problem. Okay, sounds great. Gina, thank you so much for being a guest today. My guest has been engineering life coach, Gina Covarubias. Thank you again, Gina, for joining us. Thank you, David. It was my pleasure. I had a lot of fun. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to overcome disappointment with your career outcomes and much more. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. And we've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. Music